0: we're in the middle of a series called Seeds. Everybody say Seeds. And we're talking about uh, really the, the metaphor or even the theme um, of Seeds all throughout Scripture. And um, even when we set out to do this, I'm, I, as I study every week, I'm so surprised. I never, it's funny how you can read the Bible and not catch things. I don't know if y'all are like that. But how often the theme of Seeds is inside of Scripture. And uh, we decided that we wanted to create a series and then do a small group curriculum behind it, and so many of you are in small groups right now going through seeds with us, and we've heard uh, already great feedback from that, and as you're in it, stick with it. It's only six weeks. Stick with it. Stay consistent. God, I, be- I believe that the, the time that you put into it um, is going to reap a harvest uh, into your life, and so uh, continue to do that. And week one, we talked about what keeps us from understanding the Word of God. How many of y'all know um, I can speak something to every one of you? I say the same words, the same um, message every time, but y'all, everybody can hear it a little different. And, and depending on who you are and where you come from, or depending on what the Bible talks about, the soil of your heart, um, you can receive it or you can reject it. And it's not based on the message. It's really based on us. And so we talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about how to grow in our faith. This was last week. How like, man, faith is, is, is an, I mean, is, it's essential to following Jesus. Just so you know, um, being a follower of God is not academic. It's really not. Uh, the Bible can be proven academically, we can, we can walk through it academically, but it's not, it's not meant to be proven, it's meant to be believed. Yes. And that's an important key, you, you gotta get, sometimes we gotta get past our think, thinking and everything in this world today now is like, you gotta like, show me right, wrong, where it goes, black and white. I'm just telling you, you gotta be open to the nuance in scripture and what God wants to do inside of your life through belief today. I think we're gonna get into the meat of what seeds is really all about. We're gonna talk about sowing and reaping because we talked about, I don't remember, I mentioned this last couple of weeks, the kind of theme of of our series has been, God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. Where you are now is not where you have to be. He wants you to grow. And you can grow, here's the key, if you're willing. And what I noticed though is in order to grow, I might sound like an old Pentecostal preacher here, so I'm like rhyming a little bit. Maybe maybe I got a little bit of that rhyme. You got to grow to sow. Okay, here's one more. All right, here it is. You can't grow unless you sow. The whole nature of seeds is that they're sown into the ground. Come on. So that we can reap a harvest. In fact, Galatians talks about that in verse 7 of chapter 6. It says... Do not be deceived. So, don't get it twisted, right? Like, don't, don't miss it, right? He's being very clear. Paul's being very clear, teaching to the church at Galatia. He's saying, Look, this is to you who are Christians. God can't be mocked, okay? A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps. A woman reaps. A person reaps what he sows. What goes into the ground comes, come on, comes out of the ground, because what you what you sow is what you reap. Now let's go back to Jesus, okay? In Jesus' time, he's teaching yet again a parable about the kingdom of God. And in Mark chapter six four, he's he's verse 26 through 29, he's speaking in a way that talks about sowing and reaping. And we're gonna read it. And if you don't have your Bibles, i will put up on the screens for you. He said. So he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed. Everybody say seed. Come on, we got where it's back in our theme. Scatter seed on the ground. and Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed, everybody say seed. The seed sprouts and grows, though, though he does not know how. It's interesting. When you go. a seed goes in the ground, you're like, man, something happens in there. We can't see it. Don't really know what's going on. But it it's working and all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk, then the head then the full kernel in the head and as soon as the grain is ripe he puts the sickle to it which is the kind of the big axe cut thing and he said because the harvest come on the harvest has come today if you're taking notes we're talking about sowing and reaping let's pray father i just thank you lord i'm so honored yeah, I'm the, I'm the most imperfect person you could have chose to follow, that you could have chose to lead this church. I, I, I don't do everything right. I don't get everything right. But, Lord, I love that every Sunday I can come in here and you give me the opportunity to teach your word, which is always right, which is always perfect, which is always on time, which is always special. And in its own way, God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, right now would just, man. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm done playing games. I'm not trying to impress with information. Lord, let your spirit be the, the catalyst for transformation today. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say Amen. 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 I was thinking about this um, concept and this topic um, recently because I've noticed all parts of our lives are really gardens. All, all of them. All of them. Everything that you and I do is a result of something we did. Everything that we have is a result of something we did. I mean, you could say that the kingdom of God is very, very big on sowing and reaping. But at the end of the day, you know this, your kingdom, the kingdom of you, whatever your name is. On the count of three, everybody shout your name at me. One, two, three. Yeah, there you go. Your name, who you are, your kingdom is built on this concept. My wife reminded me of this um, about in, uh, I don't know. So my, my boys now, my twins, I have five boys. My twins were my first children. They were born um, 15 years ago. And when my boys were born, I remember my wife, she came up to me and she said, this is going to be the greatest season of our life. Where we get to raise children. And she was right. I mean, the raising children are the most... I always tell young people, like, you know, because there's a false narrative in the world now. It's like, once you get married, you know, you get tied down. I'm like, marriage is the most amazing thing in the world. I try to teach, like like, there's a false like, message going out there. And then even worse for kids, they're like, once you have kids, then your life's just over. I'm like, when I had kids, my life just started. There's nothing more exciting than waking up with my children and seeing what kind of nonsense they've gotten themselves into every day. There's nothing more. Like, I like, and like, adventure is out there because I have children. And uh, my, my, when I had my 15-year-olds, when I first had them, uh, my wife, she, uh, she. I, now, I, I, I grew up with my dad. I had a sister, so I didn't have brothers. And I grew up with my dad, and my dad used to wrestle with me all the time. We used to wrestle. Anybody grew up with their dad and wrestle? that was kind of the guy thing we did. You know, we wrestled with them. And, and so I wrestled with my, my dad. Well, I was determined to wrestle with my boys. When my teenagers are, were, you know, two or three, or maybe they were six months, I started wrestling with them. I just had fun with them. I would just <laughs> throw them around, and, you know, I'd toss them, and they'd get a little older, and we'd start wrestling. And, and uh, my wife told me early on, when they were kids, she said, Be careful, you're gonna reap what you sow. And what I would do is I'd walk into my house when I came home from work, and i you know, they're little three-year-old, four-year-old, little punk kids. I'd walk up and I'd just push them over. I'm like, come on, you know, and then we'd all wrestle and wrestle with dad and get them on the ground, and she'd always walk up to me. She said, You better be careful, you will reap what you sow. But when they're little, two or three years old, how many of y'all know I can put this it's all good. I'm winning every time. Domination. <laughs> My third one comes by, Titus shows up on the scene, and by that time, they're all three years apart, so my sons are six, he's three, now we're having a little bit of a wrestling match going on. Now I got the six-year-olds trying to take me on with a three-year-old, and how many of y'all know, Dad's still winning that game, because it ain't no big deal, bringing on domination. And my wife would walk in after I would hold him down, and they'd be like, Dad, we're and my wife would come in, and she would, just as she walked by, say the same thing. Be careful. What, what is it? What would she say? You all going to get this together. We're going to say it together. You, you reap what you sow. Okay, so then my fourth one shows up. Little Judah shows up, looked just like me, acts like a Tasmanian devil, the craziest kid that ever. He popped out with hair everywhere. Like, <laughs> I didn't know we could have kids with hair he, until he showed up, came out with hair, just wild, wild animal. Shows up on the scene my kids become nine my sons who my son who was six is now who was three is now six and now we have them all three years apart guess what my new one shows up on the scene and three years old we start up wrestling again and we're we're getting on like donkey kong a little harder because now they're nine years old there's multiple versions of them and i can't really keep a track of everybody and what they start thinking about as they start getting four they start planning so one will take on my arms, one will take on, they give the little ones to, you know, cover my eyes, you know, try to choke me out. You know, they do the things where they'll where they can't get hurt, but they they affect change. Not so much domination, but I'm still winning. How many of y'all know I'm still winning? Fifth one shows up, Winston. We ran out of names, we just picked a cool name, Winston. <laughs> Shows up on the scene now that I have 12 year olds, nine year olds, I have six year olds and I have a three year old. Now five of them are at me. Now they all have different plans. They've all strategized. They've they've figured out how to do things. They even use their mama to distract me. Hey, babe, over here. I look that way. One comes in. Boom, hits me in the stomach. I go after that little one as another one's jumping on my head. One's taking out my leg. I'm like, y'all want some of this? Bring it because I'm going to handle business. Beat all of them up. Get them stacked up like a sandwich, like a five-layer sandwich. Stack them up. I say, now what's up? My wife walks by, says those fateful words. What does she say? She says, be careful you reap what you sow. So she, I'm like, babe, please. (laughs) You see, obviously I work out. (laughs) Ain't no big thing. Bring it. Bring that. I said, because my son, the other day, he walked in and he said, you just wait one day we're gonna get you. I said, You better, you better come with it then. You better come with you better you better come get some of this. About six months ago, I, got, I decided to get all my kids together. My kids are now 15, 12, 9, and 6. This is we're at the threshold of now danger. And so what they had planned was is I was sitting watching TV like a good father would. I'm just sitting watching television with my family. We're sitting. And all of a sudden, I hear, go. <laughs> my twins grab my arms. They're big enough to hold my arms now. My, 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 my 12-year-old, he grabs my legs. I am now held down with, against my will. My 9-year-old decides the best thing he could do is take his sharp elbows <laughs> and dig them in to you, my thigh, as I'm screaming in pain, as my little, tiny, little squidget one who's barely making it in this family. I got five kids. I can get rid of one. He's one. He's going. And he's holding my eyes as he's trying to cover my breathing. And as I was stuck in pain, my arms were being stretched out. Um, and I heard, I heard Two slight pops in my shoulders. And, uh, and, and I remember screaming in pain, screaming, Babe, I need you to, between me trying to get my little one off my mouth, I, I need your help. And she walked by and said, What did she say? What did she say? You be careful, you what? You read what you, you sow. I actually wound up finding out I, I had two torn rotator cuffs from that. Yeah, I, 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 I it's MRI shows the danger of what my wife was saying. She was see, saying, "How many all know you? You what do you what you? Reap what you sow. Yeah, man, you reap what you sow." And the truth of the matter is, is that, that is that is so true for all of us in our life. There are so many um, truths to the principle of, of of sowing and reaping. It's how God blesses. It's how God gets blessing to you. It's how God gets blessing through you. And if we don't understand the principles of sowing and reaping, we can miss a huge kingdom concept, kingdom, uh, kingdom concept that, that, that will benefit you. But you've got to participate in it. And so I'm going to give you a, a few principles of sowing and reaping. Number one is this, um, seed not sown does not grow. Now, I know some of these are like basic elementary ideas, but I want you to hear them because we don't act like it. Okay, so... For a moment, set aside your, your, your smartness. I know you're smart, and I know you know these things. Like, Because I'm going to give you some stuff, you're going to be like, I know. But just let me tell you. Let me, let me teach it to you for, if I can. Will you give me that? Let, let, me, let me show you the first principle. Seed not sown does not grow. Here's how that tends to happen in our life. You eat the seed instead of plant it. Some seeds you can eat. Did you know that? Like a legume is a seed. Like you can eat a legume. Nuts are seeds. There's a lot of nuts. Those are seeds that were meant to actually go into the ground and produce a harvest. And I've noticed a seed in your hand has potential. But a seed in the ground has power. And so I'm not saying at some point, like I like a good walnut. I like a good bean or legume every once in a while. But... Man, the power of that seed is meant to be in the ground. And if I don't sow it, I don't grow it. We do this a lot with our time. You and I eat time more than we sow time. It's when people tell me, they always say, I can't find the time to do when you just fill in the blank. Can't find the time to go to the gym. I can't find the time to eat right. I can't find the time to to pray with my kids. I can't find the time to go to the church. I can't find the time to make sure I make it a small group. I can't find you. You'll never find time. Why? Because fi- time. You don't find time. Great successful people never find time. They make time. They put time in there. And I'll say this because your time is finite. If you're up and you have 24 hours in the day, you should at least think about some of that time that would be invested time, which means you did something to actually bring back a return. Give you an example. Reading a book is invested time. And I'm shocked at the lack of, um, I think, intentionality to our time when it comes to our own personal growth. Because I'll tell people, like, they'll ask me a question. I'm like, hey, did you ever, have you ever read a book on that or anything? Well, I can't read. Yeah. Well, then you can't grow. Like, I know that everybody's trying to find the new life hack to things. Right? Like, what's the life hack to learning about money? How about reading a book about money? Yeah, yeah. Invest your time. Invest your money, because you could spend it and eat it. A lot of us eat our time. Or you can invest it. Plant it in the, get it in the ground so it can grow. Number two, you reap what you sow. Now, this is my wife's principle about my children. You just heard. You reap what you sow, which means I expect to receive that which I have planted. Now, think about that. Is that true for you? Do you, or do you expect to receive that which you have not planted? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, so I'm just asking. I can't make that true to your life. My son, Titus, when, um, he had a school project, and his school project was to plant. Did you all do this when you were in school? They gave you a little seed. It was like a bean seed. It was typically a bean seed. You know, It was the cheapest seed you could ever find. And he planted this seed, and he brings it home, and he goes, Dad, they gave us a bean seed. and I'm so excited. We're going to water it, and we're going to plant it. So we started watering it. We put it next to the sun. And I said, Son, I'm going to make sure that seed gets really good. We're sitting around the dinner table, and the first night, he goes, Dad, so excited for that seed I planted. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to have some strawberries. (laughs) I said, what kind of seed did you get? He said, well, it's a bean seed, but I kind of want s- strawberries. And I said, well, that's great. I'm glad you want it. But you're not going to get it because that's not what you planted. So you want a good marriage. I get that you want it. But you, what did you plant? You want friends. I get you want it. But what did, you, what did you plant? I get you want unity in your relationships, but you sow disunity in your relationships. You, you gossiped and you slandered. You walked around people. You talked behind their back. You stabbed them with your words, but you want unity. We reap what we sow. And I'm okay expecting the harvest, right? I'm expecting the harvest of something that I plant. I have come, can I tell you something? This is personal. I have come to the reality that I might not ever have a (laughs) six-pack. You want to know why? You want to know why? You want to know why? Because I don't sow into that six-pack. I like burritos a little too much. I just do. I know I could do it, but I got to be honest with you. A good queso in my life on a regular basis in my face is really, really good. I've settled it. I've settled it. I'm okay with that. I don't expect, come on. I don't expect something without having to invest something on the back end that's free number two number three four whatever we're on you reap later typically what you sow reaping generally takes longer than we like um farmers have a concept seed time harvest seed time harvest come on everybody seed time harvest what we want seed harvest Seed. Skip that. Harvest. Seed. Microwave. Harvest. That's what I'm used to. We live in a microwave generation. Instapot. Anybody have an Instapot in here? Anybody got no idea? Y'all are living that Instapot life. I saw a YouTube video they made a, cro- uh, a shrimp boil in six minutes. Now I want you to know something. Where I'm from, I got friends from Louisiana where shrimp boils came from. That's blasphemy. <laughs> six minutes. Instacart, Instagram, Insta Coffee. I went to the coffee shop the other day. And I had the, they had the audacity <laughs> to make me wait for my coffee after I just ordered it. I'll give an example. I don't even normally buy coffee at the store. I want it so fast that I get it on my phone, hello, and I put in my order. I order it so that when I show up, it's done before I even walk in the door. I messed it up. And ordered it at a different store. So when I came in, I'm like, where's my coffee? Y'all my people, I come here all the time. I'm paying for your beach house. Where's my coffee? And they're like, you didn't order it. I'm like, oh, my bad. So I had to order coffee and wait for my coffee. And I got mad. Because I had to wait. And I got my coffee. And I felt myself upset. I got into the car. This is just, if you like a church where the pastor tells you what to do and how to be? Like, this ain't that church. I'm going to give you the pastor that you should not do anything the pastor does. That's this church. And I'm in my chart, my, and I looked at my phone, and I realized I felt like it was 12 years I waited for my coffee. It was 12 minutes, and I, was, I struggled for every one of those minutes. How many of y'all know, like, that ain't right. That ain't right. This is not prescriptive. This is descriptive. Hello. This is not what to do. This is what happened. Because we struggle with time. With my kids, I have to remind myself I play the long game with them. Because if I don't, when I tell them not to do something and then they go and do it anyway because they're kids. Come on, dads. We got to be a little more graceful. I was challenged with that this week. I gotta be a little more graceful with my children. My son, I asked him the other day, this is last night, I asked my son, little Winston, little tiny little mini Erica. I was like, hey, (laughs) go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. Anybody ask your kids to go wash their hands? There's a faith moment. That's you wanna get faith? Get a kid. Yeah, faith. I'll build your faith. Hey, go wash your hands. And I had that check as every parent does. Like, do I go with them and help them do it? Or do I just have faith that God's gonna give them wisdom? (laughs) He goes into the bathroom. And then I forget about it, and he was in the bathroom for a long time. How many of y'all know, that ain't good. That ain't good. Nothing good can come of this. I walk in, and there's water everywhere. He's got the towel in the sink, squishing the water all around. There's water everywhere, all over the thing. I had to walk to my wife's room. I said, babe, you better go get him. Go get him, because I'm going to go and get him. You better go get him. And I just had to realize, like, my wife just said, you realize he's just a kid. It's just water. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why? Because I'm, I'm just I'm impatient. I'm impatient. Is anybody impatient? Anybody impatient? I'm impatient. We gotta remember, we play the long game with our kids. We play the long game with our faith. We play the long game with our relationships. If you don't see your result coming back to you, that's okay because it's seed, time, and then harvest. Time is a part of the equation. Next one, you reap generally want more than what you sow, which means we have to understand that when I When I put something in the ground, God multiplies it. Isn't that amazing that you can put a seed in the ground and actually produces more seed? That's the general nature of it. Thank God it doesn't just give us one for one. We'd be in some trouble. But thank God I can put something in the ground and actually reproduce more than what I put in the ground. That's how good God is. A marriage tip, just so you guys know. Marriage sowing is almost exclusively like that. Guys, free advice. Nighttime is the reaping of the morning time sowing. I'm trying to be cryptic. (laughs) She... I promise you, she will give you more than you give her if you just so strategically. It's imbalanced, okay? She don't see what we see. It's different, okay? I promise you. I've, I've counseled enough marriages to know if you just be kind to her in the morning. I know she don't hear and see everything. She ain't carrying what you're carrying. Well, she ain't you. Mm, Well, she ain't you, homie. (laughs) If you just sow, you're going to reap. Planted seeds, by nature, they multiply. Last one says, in God's kingdom, you can actually reap where you did not sow. You can actually reap where you did not. So in the kingdom, we can always reap. I like what John four thirty eight says. It says, I sent you to reap where you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of others' labor. I always tell you, I, you know what I love talking to people who've been on this earth longer than I have? Maybe you got a little some gray hair in you, a little empty nester flow. You're kind of on your second half of life. You know why I like talking to you? Because you always remind me, man, we're, we're, you see life as it is in so many ways because you, rem, you have seen life more interconnected than I see it. Because you, you, you have gone through some things and realized you got some places that you didn't even, you, you didn't even work for and you got to that place. I, some of us younger who have not gone through some of those things, we kind of think we did everything ourselves. I got it because I got it. No, you didn't. You're like, no, Pastor, I work hard. Yeah, but the guy still had to give you Come on. Yeah. the promotion. Yeah. He had to still pick you. She had to raise you up. Come on. She thought you. it would be a good idea to take a chance on you. I'm just telling you, we're all life is more in- interconnected than you think. We tend to, can I just say this, especially in the church, most of us tend to benefit from other people's sewing. Statistically, this is true, especially when it comes to giving. And nobody likes the statistic. 20% of the church, on average, pays for 100% of the people to to come to church. Dramatic pause. (laughs) Uncomfortable moment. Are you in the 20%? We'll get off of that. Three questions. Three questions. They inevitably come up with sowing and reaping. Three questions that I think we need to wrestle with. Number one, number one, number one, as we wrap up. Why do people who know it not do it? Ever ask yourself that question? Why do you? Why do me? Why do we? Why do we who know this principle Especially if you come up in church. I mean, if you've known church, you've been around. This. this has been taught to you before in a way that made you feel real guilty about not giving, right? If you notice, I haven't even talked about giving in the message. This, this is a principle in the Bible about your life. Yeah. And why do we who know not do it? It seems like it can be pretty frustrating. I do wild moment the other night in my house it's always wild but i was downstairs and i hear no no, oh god no now typically any sounds i investigate but a sound like that you're gonna kind of figure out what was wrong i ran upstairs i see my little tiny son being punched by my big gigantic son And I'm like, what in God's name is going on? And I say these things. Have you ever found your son or daughter in a moment where they were doing something they knew better? You use that statement, don't you? Do you remember when your mama or your daddy told you you did something dumb? And they walked up to you, and they did the same statement that I said that I would never say to my kids, that you say to your kids now. You say, you who know better. Come on, y'all got to say it like you're a parent in here. Everybody with me? You who know better. Yeah, you know better than this. I looked at my son. I'm like, homie, what are you doing? Jesus did this to the Pharisees on a regular basis. The Pharisees knew the scriptures better than anyone else and they didn't live them. Come on. Come on. You who know better, you who are so Christian, you who mark Christian on Facebook, you who post and repost the You Version Bible of the Day scriptures. You who have the fish on the back of your car, you who are walking around protesting all of the injustice of the world, you who say you are a Christian but don't act like it, you who know better, you don't do it. The only real reason we don't do it is twofold. Number one, you do it because you're selfish or you're afraid it's only to is selfishness or fear that keep us from doing what we supposed to be doing let's just take for instance if you feel like you can't serve on a weekend here at the church let's just use that as an example if you are saying man i don't want to serve at the church i know i probably should because if i so hello Then I'll reap. If I'm not, I can't do it because, honestly, my time is my time. And you don't understand. I got a lot of time that I got to just be careful with my time. I can't. I'm busy. I'm important. (laughs) You special. Your teacher tells you that, don't don't they? (laughs) Doesn't the world tell you you're special for doing nothing, right? You're special. Participation award for everyone. You don't do it because we're selfish by nature. We take everything we want to do by nature. It's always what we want. It keeps us from sowing. Or you're afraid. If I do that, I will lose. You know why most people, let's talk about giving. You know why most people don't give? Because you think that God exists in a zero-sum reality. He doesn't. Here's what zero-sum means. If I give to you, I lose. If you give to me, you lose. There's a finite amount of resource. So if if somebody wins, somebody then has to lose. Well, not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. So we don't do it because we feel like fear will keep us from like sowing and reaping. It's the fear of not having enough. So I don't serve my wife because I'm afraid that she might take advantage of me. So I don't honor my husband because, i am be quite honest with you, my needs are more important than his needs. It's always selfishness or fear. Y'all hearing me? Yeah. So if you struggle with sowing and reaping and you know better, you got to deal with that. Number two, how does this affect my daily life? I'm going to give you some attitudes. Did you know this? This is important. One way it affects us is through our attitudes. So if I, if, I, if, I, if I don't understand sowing and reaping, it affects my attitude towards life. So our attitude always affects our life, right? Because if you have a bad attitude towards things, just so you know, you can come in here, I can teach you, but if your attitude is terrible, if someone says hi to you and you don't say hi to them back, that's rude. I know you think it's not, but it is. If someone's being kind to you and you are jerk back to them, that's dishonoring, it's not okay. I love you but it's not it's not so so if you have a terrible attitude towards something it's going to affect the way that you live your life I call it common seed versus the Word of God seed let's look at a few of them let's, let's talk about talent okay let's just talk about talent for a minute. a lot of people in the world common seed would say no one recognizes me for what I can do I'm special I got something to say I got something to do I got something to be And we get our attitude all frazzled thinking we sow the seed of like, no one cares about me. No one recognized me. No one said anything. Why can't I do it? And then when you when you internalize it, what does it reap? What does it reap? Bitterness all day long, all day long. It reaps that. For the word of God, seed says, "No, actually, be who God created you to be." I like what Ephesians chapter two says. Therefore, we are God's masterpieces. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So why? So we can do the good things that He planned for us, not the stuff that you planned. That Come on. Come on. you were called and created to do what He called you to do. And create. By the way, He gave you your talent. Yeah. Yeah. If He gave it to you, I think He's got a plan to use it. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. You ain't got to make room for your gift. You ain't got. Right. Manipulate and force and like wedge yourself into something you think you should do. By the way, have you ever done something you thought was a good idea and you did it and you were like, that's a dumb idea? <laughs> Anybody this week? Hello. So let's just be honest. We should probably leave the thinking to God and let our talent be determined by Him and who He's called us to be. How about relationships? Common Seed says, if you meet my needs, I'll meet your needs. Me verse. That's what I call contract flow. I'm going to take care of me. You take care of you. We make sure this thing's a contract. Covenant flow is I take care of you. It's not me. It's you. I'm in covenant with you. There's blood about this relationship. And since I take care of you... And you're in covenant with me, then you take care of me. And there's mutual honor and respect and faith in each other. Where Now, that sounds like a marriage. But if it's contract, i got to be careful. 90% of the time, I read this statistic, 90% of the time for those in the workplace, it's our inability to get along with others that leads us to frustration with the job. And then if you have an issue in your relationships, you need to sow some good seed. I like what Proverbs 11 says, the seeds of good deeds become tree of life. You know what, and he kind of clarifies why he's saying this. A wise person <laughs> wins friends. You don't get friends. You win friends. You win them. You win them. You sow, you, come on, you sow seed in them. You, you don't have no friends? Become the most generous person in your life. And then come talk to me in six months. You'd be like, I got so many people around me, I'm sick of them. <laughs> I don't want no more friends. Why? Because you sowed seed. You reaping a harvest. Hello? Yeah. You got to do it. I relate to people based on how God loves me. I want to invest relationships and reap the money. Let's talk about money. Common seed is I like can get, get all you can get. Get yours. Keep all you can. Make sure you put, you put it away. Don't let anybody have it. Keep it what you got. The Word of God says God always provides. You can always be generous. You can always be generous. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Come on. Yeah. And then if your struggle with money could be attached to the fact that you are not generous with it. You're like, well, when I get money, I'll be generous. That's not how it works. Come on. Come on. That's like saying, that's like saying, I'm going to have a harvest without plant. Oh, yeah. Without planting seed. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Last one is this, and I'm done. Pain. Common seed people, when they plant that, they say, God, why has this happened? Where were you when this happened? They always ask that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Which, by the way, I will answer that question in a series coming up after Easter. but they take their pain and they internalize it and they put it on God but the word of God says you may go out weeping and you'll return with songs of joy carrying sheaves of with them they, could it be that your pain you know what people of the kingdom they do with pain they see it for what it could be they see it at the thing that could potentially till the soil of their heart so that they're more open and Ready to receive what God has for them um, history shows us that with, with farming. there was a mold board plow that changed the game in farming and um, I think I had a picture of it. Did I, did I put the picture up? Yeah this moldboard plow actually changed the game in farming. This was the first plow that they were able to attach to something and it actually dug the ground up and turned the soil over so they were able to plant seed and it went deep And but it was sharp and it was pointy and it was not there's nothing sexy about that let me tell you it was painful and it anybody ever work in the yard and get blisters from some, I mean it kind of pain just, but, but man it it produced such a harvest in a way that farmers had never seen that before. And what's so fascinating to me is how pain could be the the thing that you think is the thing that's gonna take you out is actually the thing that God's gonna to use to bring about great harvest in your life. I remember before I planted this church, we it was a to say that it was hard to plant a church is like saying it well, I don't know what it would be like. Saying, to be quite honest with you, it was terrible. There was nothing good. I actually try to convince people. I, I, I know this sounds crazy. But I coach church planters, like who plant churches all around the country, and I try to convince them not to do it. Because if I can convince you not to do it, that you shouldn't do it. Is <laughs> hard? And I remember that one of the things. One, one. I'm giving you one. One of the many things that actually happened to me and my family is I, I developed an, an anxiety attack, symptom problem, chronic issue of anxiety. Like you think, I'm really, really good at figuring out what you potentially could do in all the negative things. And my son had fallen, my, I, he was I think one at the time. He had just had his teeth come in and my little six-year-old son, who was at the time, or I think he was four or five, I can't remember, he was holding him, and he had loved his new baby brother. He was a baby, you know, he had just had teeth come in, and then he tripped and he fell on top of him, and he broke his two teeth, snapped him right in half as he fell on the ground. This was uh, three weeks before we were going to launch our church. I remember it because it was so clear. We were uh, My wife and I were sitting at the table, and just before that, we were sitting at our dinner table. We took a breath. I kid you not. We took a breath and we said, Feels like everything's okay. I literally said, I feel like everything's okay. And then we couldn't fix his teeth because his gums had to swell down. So he would walk around with broken teeth and pain. So while we were all celebrating in here, y'all don't know on the other side of that curtain, I was crying. And pain was so heavy. And I'm like, man, God, can you, I did the thing that Paul did. You know, he's like, God, could you take this from me, please? I would I'd appreciate it. Like, could you get rid of me? This would be great for you to actually kind of keep this out. And he said, uh, uh, to this day, it's 1033, Sunday, March 5th. I still struggle with anxiety. Is that okay to say? Yeah. And then some of you come up to me and they say, you say like, hey, um, I struggle with it, anxiety. Could you pray for me? And I pray different now for you. If you're, you ever give me the honor of sharing with me what you're struggling with and it has anything to do with anxiety, let me tell you right now, I, I pray different for you. And the, the tilling of my heart through that pain, what's pain is so powerful. It could till your heart, and it can make you. I'm telling you, God, like Paul asked for the thorn to be removed from his side, and God never did it. I think that was intentional because I don't know about you, but I pray more than I do I ever did before I had any of my issues? Before I prayed, before I planted this church, I prayed more than I do now. Than I did before. You know, I mean, like, because pain can be something so powerful in your life if you let it. So what do you do? I'm done. I'm done. What do you do? What do you do when your approach is tested? When this sewing and reaving approach is tested, and I'm done. I promise. There's a principle in the Bible that um, the law of first. Rem- mention, which means um, the way anytime you see something in the Bible for the first time, it determines what it's going to be for the rest of the Bible or the rest of time. That's called the law of first mention. First time you ever see prayer in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4. And um, I know, because it sounds like silly, because I'd be like, what do you do when the approach is tested? Well, then let me give you the pastoral answer. Pray. And you guys are like, well, of course. Like, give me something I don't know. Here's something you might not know. Here's what prayer really means to God law first mentioned. Here's what prayer was always meant to be. Prayer in the Genesis chapter 4 It said finally the sons of Enoch called upon the Lamb of the Lord. This is the first time you see prayer mentioned. The, the, the word prayer is actually in the Hebrew tefillah. Ever say "tefila"? Tefillah. It was actually by the way Hebrew is always written out in almost like a comic book form so it was always pictures and it was always an idea that it was written as pictures to symbolize what God was really trying to say. The word prayer Tefila in Hebrew, picture-wise, is simply this. It's a picture of, uh, of an ox. is a front of a head, the back of a head, and then the uh, another picture of an ox going into a yoke, okay? Front of the head, back of the head, and a picture of an ox going into the yoke. Front of the head, back of the head and an ox going into the yoke so when somebody told you in hebrew i'm going to pray for you what they meant was or if they've ever said to give it to god or pray so that god can heal you pray when that that god would call whenever you call upon the name of the lord what you're doing is you're saying god i'm going to move from facing me and facing my issue to facing the one who can bear the burden front of the head, I know I look at my issue but I'm actually going to turn around and face the one, the ox going into the yoke I'm going to face the one that's going to actually be able to handle this burden in my life so let's say you sow and you don't reap could be a timing issue could be a sin issue or it could be But God just wants you to turn from your issue and face the one who can bear the burden. So if you have something in your life right now that is too heavy for you, congratulations. The most Jewish thing you can do is give it to God and pray.